Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable the Father's judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's ever been God's counsellor? Who's ever given to God that God owes them and needs to repay them? Because from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him who we come to adore. Ades de Fidelis, to the one who, as your followers, we come to say you are majestic and mighty and high and lifted up, and you have no rival, you have no equal, now and forevermore you reign, and the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Son, and he shall reign forever. Church said... Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you to our worship team. And uh, just invite you in this lovely holy moment into which they've led us to invite the Holy Spirit to just keep you here this morning. Because often you're sitting in here, but you're not here. Uh, And especially this time of the year, right? (laughs) A very warm welcome, if I can add my welcome to Dan's to all of you and to those who are watching online. A very warm welcome to you as well. Glad you're able to join us in that format. Well, folks, tis the season, huh? Tis the season for bad jokes. Dad jokes and bad jokes, isn't it? What is Frosty doing at the carrot section of the greengrocer? Answer, picking his nose. (laughs) Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la, says the carol. (laughs) At your shopping centre, is it the season? Is there much jolly, do you think? Or is it tis the season for a whole lot of other things, yeah? Do you hear what I hear? A fight, a fight over a parking space. It is the season with a countdown. That's, that's the reason for it all, isn't it? You see, December the 25th is coming ready or not. They're not going to move it back a couple of days for us. It is the season of Christmas stress. Now, with this little guy here, I'm not sure how the wreath ended up where it is. I think we draw a veil of discretion over which parent did it or how it happened. But it is a sign of Christmas stress. However, it's also the season of Advent, from the Latin word adventus, literally meaning coming. It's a time when we are celebrating, as we just did in song, the coming of Jesus, yes, in Bethlehem. But the Greek word for adventus is parousia, and it's the word we use for Jesus coming back. So we also are preparing for his coming again. And we also celebrate his coming into the lives of anyone who invites him. I will come in and stay with you and you with me. I'll eat with you and you with me. So this morning we straddle two realities, pressure and promise. The promise is in our reading, which every week leading up and on Christmas Day as well will be the same, Isaiah chapter 9. Today we'll just look at verse 2 and verse 6. Isaiah 9 verse 2 And verse 6. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See the contrast? The one season and the other. Now often we see it as it is up there, Wonderful Counselor. But a number of very significant theologians tell us it's quite valid to split those two words. People like Jesenius and Rosenmuller and Dielich and most of all, Dan Rogers. Last week, Dan said to us, look at the Hebrew, you can split those words up and on his authority we will. So today we're looking at pressure and promise and also the counsellor, the counsellor. First of all, the pressure. I never forget a call very early in Nightline when the caller rang up and said, Graham, I hate Christmas. What I didn't expect was just about two weeks ago, right here in our own church family, somebody said to me, I hate Christmas. With someone else, they said, you know, I, I, I can quite enjoy the lead up to Christmas but because of the pain in my life, I struggle on Christmas Day. It's why Dan led us in prayer for those for whom Christmas is a challenge. And the other side of Christmas is what we're wanting to look at today. For Merle and me, every time, she just commented to me this week, every time we see an ad on television, especially with grandparents, with their children and grandchildren, you have that, ooh, you have this crazy mix. We're delighted for all those of you who have that joy. And we just wish we had it. And we don't. And that's Christmas. There is another side to Christmas. Research from Relationships Australia says it's one of the six most stressful life events in the country. One of the six most... It's up there with divorce and shifting house. 45% of the people in the relationship survey dread Christmas. There's stress in the environment, the rush, the tasks the gifts, the planning. There's, of course, financial stress. There's relationship stress in all sorts of forms. Getting together Christmas Day can be really exciting, as many of you know, but there's also the emotional stress, the loss, the grief, the loneliness, the regret, and that's probably the most serious long-term. In fact, have a look at these statistics. They come from the American Psychological Australia, uh, Association. 64% of people get the blues after Christmas. 8% feel better. 8%. In fact, Jeremy Cowden, he's an on-call clinical psychologist on one of the helplines in the United States uh, over the, the Christmas break. Excuse me, and he said one of the most, the, the most frequently heard sentence for him was that one on the screen. People were saying to him, I just thought for one day people would be nice to each other. Dr. Suzanne Rolf-Wexler says Christmas contains all the classic anxiety and low mood triggers. So that's the stress. What about the promise? And what about the promise of a counsellor? At the la last New Norcia silent retreat, God spoke to two people uh, through life, new life, springing forth from what seemed to be a dead log. Dan gave us the context last week that this promise was given to people who were in deep darkness. They had a promise from God. They saw that promise. They were, they were brought out of Egypt through the Exodus. 
King David and Solomon come up, the tree seems to be growing beautifully and then suddenly they're all taken away into exile and that tree is chopped off at the base and seems to be a dead stump. And back in August, Nick spoke to us about how Isaiah used that image. A shoot will come up from the, from the stump of Jesse. Thanks, Ross, that one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of counsel and might. Jesse's son, King David, knew about that. He knew about that counsel, that spirit of counsel. He actually, in a couple of his songs, talks about it, or many, many, many of his songs, actually. But in Psalm 16, he says, The Lord counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. And in the Good News translation of Psalm 27, he says, Teach me, Lord. You teach me what you want me to do. You lead me along a safe path. Rick Warren says, If you get an idea from God, that's an inspiration. If you get an idea from the devil, that's a temptation. <laughs> if you want to know the difference, pray Psalm 27. Teach me, Lord, which way I should be going. As I prayed and prepared this week, and thank you for all of you who pray for us speakers as we prepare, we so count on that, treasure it. This, this phrase kept coming back to me from launching rockets at, at uh, NASA. I've been to Houston. I've seen the control center. used to really enjoy watching the launches. And at one point, the mission controller would say, guidance is internal. And that phrase kept coming back to me, guidance is... And I thought what that meant, guidance is internal, was that a bit like pilots, when they're coming off autopilot, either the captain or the first officer says, I have control. But it's not that. And I got super excited about what it is. I'm going to read it to you exactly from the NASA handbook. At T minus 17 seconds, guidance is internal. The guidance system is no longer held in an orientation with respect to Earth. It now holds an orientation with respect to the stars. How cool is that? Yeah, I reckon if you don't get a little bit excited about that, your excited needs to be serviced. <laughs> so at that 17-second moment, the orientation of the entire spaceship is no longer the Earth but the stars. See, the day of Pentecost was T minus 17 seconds. And God said to his baby church, guidance is internal. You're no longer oriented to this Earth. You're oriented to me. And the counsellor is in you. And he will lead you. The parakletos, the Greeks called it. The counsellor. It's one of his names. But he's not just the counsellor. This Christmas, if you're feeling weak, he's your strengthener. This Christmas, if you're feeling pain and loss, he's your comforter. This Christmas, if you're feeling condemned or guilty or alone and don't even think you could take communion this morning, he is your advocate with the Father. This morning, if you don't know how to pray, you don't think you can pray, he is your intercessor who prays for you constantly at a depth too deep for human utterance. And he is the parakletos, the counsellor, and all those other things. And there's some very important words in that promise of, uh, of uh, Isaiah's. Isaiah said, the spirit of counsel will rest on him and of might. On the bottom of the screen there, you can see. It's not just advice. I mean, anyone can give me advice. 
But if they give me advice and they don't give me any capacity to follow that advice, my internal response is, thanks for nothing. But this is not that. This is empowered advice. What he counsels, he empowers. When you look at Christmas stress, some people suggest that the problem is celebration itself. You know, the problem is this celebrating, all this partying, all this frivolous nonsense. You should stay away from all of that. Well, I I have a technical theological term for you that describes that idea that celebration is wrong. Utter rubbish. Utter rubbish. Our God is a God of celebration. At Sukkot, the, the Hebrews called it, we call it the Feast of Tabernacles, God said, I command you rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You are to rejoice not for seven minutes, for seven days. And if you go to our counsellor, direct, if the counsellor is your event coordinator, the catering is extraordinary. He's an extraordinary caterer. Buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine or other fermented drink. Woo! <laughs> Eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Happy Christmas! Buy whatever you like. The King James says, buy whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. <laughs> so for those who only like the King James, it's whatsoever your soul lusteth after that God says, that's what I'll put on the menu. That's my catering. At least 15 different times when Jesus was talking about the kingdom, he said, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. It's like a banquet. It's like a feast. It's like the party. The kingdom of God is like this party. Eternity will have the marriage feast of the Lamb, a party to end all parties. In one of his best-loved parables, this prodigal son comes home with his rehearsed speech, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son, make me a servant. The father, this extraordinary father, does what no father did, runs out to meet him, hugs him, doesn't listen to his speech at all, put the best robe on him, put a ring on his finger, that grain-fed veal, that calf out, to kill that, we're going to have a party. We're going to party. There's only one person didn't party. (laughs) There's always one. The elder brother. Why is it that people who aren't in the family of God, why do they think we're like him? You notice that? Like someone's arranging the Christmas party. Uh, Now, who's John Bloggs? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I know him. He's very religious. What sort of person do you now think they're expecting? I know if I want to stop conversation dead on an aeroplane, just say you're a pastor. That'll do it every time. (laughs) It's like having a communicable disease. People are thinking, what jokes have I told him? What have I said? I'm supposed to have had my sense of humour removed by some sort of surgical process. I think, uh, I I guess we've brought a a little bit of it on ourselves, uh, being God's frozen chosen. So let's, uh, you know, I I knew that if I looked at this subject of celebration, people like Tony Campolo, who wrote the book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, would go, oh, this is the kingdom of God. But then he's Italian, right? He's a a larger-than-life Italian, and and Italians understand Jewish weddings better than most people because of the way they do their own weddings. Well, the way they they do everything, eh? Italians, can I get an amen? Their funerals, too. The only difference between an Italian wedding and an Italian funeral is there's one less person at the funeral. But other than that, it's a massive celebration. 
But what I didn't think is that I would find support for this from Cardinal Ratzinger. I always thought he was a pretty stoic German, you know, then he became Pope Benedict. But he said this, where joylessness reigns, where humour dies, the spirit of Jesus Christ is assuredly absent. Joy is a sign of grace. And uh, I love St. Teresa de Villa's prayer. From sour-faced saints, O Lord, deliver us. And the church said, Amen. Jesus was criticized by the elder brothers, the Pharisees, because he partied. He said, I've come eating and drinking and you call me a glutton and a drunk. And Rob Reamer, was interesting, pointed out in the Soul Care Conference, people who lived raw, rough lives, the, the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they never felt repelled, condemned or judged in the presence of the one who was absolute purity and holiness. They were attracted to him. And in his celebration, they were transformed. Zacchaeus, Matthew, the woman who washed his feet with her tears. When Jesus dines and parties with you, your life is transformed. When the counsellor leads the celebration, it's transformative because God's celebrations are utterly, utterly inclusive. Inclusivity is the big uh, virtue of the day. God's celebration is utterly inclusive. That's why the religious criticised him. He said, when he said, buy whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, excuse me, he says, I want you to buy it so that the Levites and the foreigners and the fatherless and the widows can live in, who live in your towns can come and eat and be satisfied and the Lord your God will bless you. In other words, you remember, the, you remember the foreigners, you were foreigners in Egypt. You look after the orphans, I'm their husband. Look after the fatherless, I'm their father. God insists that the, the places of honour in our Christmas be given to the widow, the orphan, the blind, the poor, the foreigner. In fact, a celebration that ignored the poor was considered sinful. Isaac Watts wrote a wonderful carol 300 years ago now, can you believe? Joy to the world. Well, he got it. It's not joy to the Baptists. Not joy to the people like me. Joy to the world. When God is in the celebration, it reflects his heartbeat. All to be saved, none to be lost. All to be saved, none to be lost. One of the greatest signs the Holy Spirit is actively at work in our campuses, to me, is this outpouring of love from you, the people of God. That just goes on and on and on. 33 years ago, 40 years ago, now they swept in behind my radio ministry on Nightline and supported it while we saw a statewide Christmas appeal born and blanket appeals. Lifeline grew out of that. Over the last, since 2019, our Christmas and Good Friday offerings, our Easter offerings, which of course have seen the Mercy Reach Foundation born, they total round about $242,000. Not because anybody's driving or we're putting up with every five minutes, we're tapping you on the shoulder. It's the response of people's hearts of love. We had to limit that. See all those bags of goodies last week? And we had to limit it to two bags per family because so many want to give. Because when the Spirit is within, He is love. God is love. Personally, so many individuals and families have reached out to express love, and I won't name any, but on little something left on my table or whatever, just two quick examples of many, 
When we went into Thornley recently, a lady who is a pensioner, has very limited means, she was at, at the front door, booted the car full of these and gave one of these to everybody who arrived. And just said, Happy Christmas. I found this on my table this week. Well, there's been lots of other lovely things, but this it's a gorgeous mug, and the card inside it is even more meaningful, just a wonderful expression of love. And the thing I noticed that all these people that have touched us had one thing in common. They'd all had suffering and challenge. Enough for them to say, these are individuals, families, enough for them to say, more than enough for them to go, I'm not into this whole thing, I... I'm out. But they hadn't. Somehow, this counsellor had come into them and had brought healing and had brought hope. He heals us and then pours the love out to others. See, uh, there was a verse that became very significant to me, firstly because of my own journey, but then secondly, when we started working with homeless kids. And I had no idea it would be so significant now when our kids and grandkids are on the other side of the world. But the verse is this, God sets the lonely in families. But do you notice the spirit of power and might rests on him. It is God who takes the initiative. It's empowered counsel. These people were listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying him. There's a person who has time and again taken me to meet somebody in the foyer after a service, and it's been quite significant. And I said to them, look, how does that happen? And she said, oh, every morning when church finishes, I say, Holy Spirit, please show me who I'm meant to reach out to today. He'll show you who you're meant to reach out to this Christmas. The overlooked and the ignored by the world are not overlooked and ignored by him. And when you reach out to them because he tells you to, he'll say, that was me. You did it to me. I didn't come in the manger. I came in them when you touched them. Someone else was speaking to me and saying, you know what? Christmas can be painful. She said, some carols were playing. And she said to Merle and I, you know, after my husband died... Uh, we're coming up to Christmas, I put the carols on at home and I started to cry. I cried all day, just there on my own. But it was a healing thing. How did God see those tears? Look at the verse on the scripture. You have stored my tears in your bottle. You have counted each of them. God actually takes it seriously when you cry. It's a beautiful song, it's an old song now, but it was written by Marsha and Ross Stevens for someone being baptised who'd come out of heroin addiction. And in part of it, Jesus says, I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried and I strove to remind you, it's for those tears I died. Communion. What a, let his love come into you so it can flow out through you. He knows what it is to feel alone he knows what it is to suffer loss, but he did it for us. I wonder, can you take a moment? We're going to do things a little bit differently. I want to move into communion now, and then I've got one more thing I want to say to you. But So if you could get those little airline packs out that we have to use to be COVID safe, and could you get the communion elements ready, please? Just you know, to peel back the little transparent thing that never wants to come back. And maybe open the wine as well, or the, the juice, should I say. Open the juice and just be careful because it does the airline thing where your orange juice won't open and then you throw it over the person next to you. It goes all the way at once.
But if you could get ready for that. I've prayed that the Holy Spirit would come as we take communion and bring healing. So I'm not going to say the usual words. I'm going to allow you to take the bread and the cup whenever is appropriate for you. If you didn't get them on the way in and you raise your hand, we'll make sure you get one. But as we go into this, let me read you a promise from the Lord. You see, we've been talking about feasting here and in two weeks we will be and praying you'll include all those the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. But let me read you the word. Hear these words from Jesus, the resurrected glorious King. I am the Lord Almighty. I will prepare a feast of rich food for you and all people. A banquet of the best of meats and the finest of wines. I will swallow up death forever. And if you have loved ones with him, he has. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all eyes. So as we come into his presence first, confess where you've blown it. The things you've done you wish you hadn't. The things he asked you to do that you didn't. And I've asked the singers to sing over you as you just sit with the Lord and take communion. Don't sing along. You'll get a chance to sing this song when we conclude in a moment. But for now, let the Holy Spirit minister to your pain, wherever that is, as they sing a blessing over you.
Holy Spirit. Whatever it is you wish to do, you are sovereign, you are welcome. Break chains, expose lies, open our eyes to see the ones to whom you want to pour your love through us. This is my body broken for you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many, for the remission of their sin. And we only do it until parousia, until he comes. Amen. Now, just before we conclude with our last song, there's one final thing that uh, was placed on my heart and I believe the Lord's prompting me to talk to you about it. It challenged me and maybe it'll challenge you. I found the verse, Romans 12, verse 2, just jumping out at me from the scripture. Don't let, this is the J.B. Phillips translation, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould. Let God remould your minds from within. And I, I started to think, you know what? I've always thought of Christmas as, well, that's just how it is. I'm in the hamster wheel with everybody else and it's stress and there's pressure and, and that's just how it is. Phillips translates it, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And I just wonder... Dan explained to us last week that the people were in darkness because they were led there by King Ahaz. And he said, we're more like King Ahaz than we like to admit. When I'm on the throne of my life, it ends up badly. When Jesus is on the throne, there is hope and promise because he is wonderful. See, as we go into Christmas, if you need peace, the promise is, the promise is, the peace of God will stand guard over your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If you're in pain and in need of love, the promise of Scripture is the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I just wonder if we're being conned by the father of lies that we have to just join in the parade and be stressed out with everybody else. Of course we should celebrate. He's a God of celebration. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to think, Lord, do you have another way for us? Am I being pressed into the mould of this culture? Guidance is internal. My orientation now is to you, not to this earth. How can I have all that's good in this season but be a vessel of your love and compassion and help? I put females on the screen, guys, because the research is still women overwhelmingly bear the burden of Christmas. Guys are vaguely aware something's happening about December 23. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, support her. Even if there's not much you are gifted to do, just say, look, I understand the stress, the pressure, I love you for it, thank you. Can I support? Can I help? Where can I help? Holy Spirit, go over our Christmas lists and take out the rubbish so that we can actually do what matters, where you are, where you are touching us.
So as the worship team returns, I wonder if you would just pray with me. And you might want to kind of hold your hands. By no means is this compulsory. And if everyone's shutting their eyes uh, and no one's being naughty, then no one will know whether you've got your hands up or not. <laughs> but I sometimes do this. You just hold a hand with all of the Christmas stuff, whatever it is for you. Say, Holy Spirit, is there another way for me to do this season? Help me not to be conned by the Father of lies. Help me to bring the joy and the hope and the peace of Christmas through me, first to me, but then so that that can flow through me to my wife, to my family, to my significant others, to my neighbours, in my workplace. So Holy Spirit, we sit here with our lives before you. Please come. Well, you are here. We don't need to ask you to come. Holy Spirit, show us. Because your counsel is empowered. Show us what to take out. Show us what to stop. Expose the insanity and help us to find the Prince of Peace in this. Lord, I do want to trust you for miraculous changes in lives. In Jesus' name. Chains be broken. The whole burden of Christmas be lifted off shoulders or other hands be placed alongside to help. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.